this is sort of a, an appendix or a series of appendixes. I think that should be appendices. And this stuff never erases quite right for me, so uh, <laughs> you have to do this special ways these days. But uh, the, the appendix <coughs> section is very interesting. I see it's an these are appendices because these aren't really a part of just the story. There are other things kind of tacked on at the end. And uh, what you've got is, is very uh, interesting in terms of uh, just uh, how, how this fits together. Um, you've got um, sort of a disaster in the first part of chapter 21. Then you have the uh, David's warriors in the last part of chapter 21. Then you have a Psalm of David in 22. Then you have a Psalm of David in the first part of 23. Then you have David's warriors in the last part of 23, and then you have a disaster in 24. Now you could do that a little differently. You know, there's several variations on that. You know, you could, you could call this like uh, the offense of Saul, the offense of David. Um, you could call these heroes rather than warriors. Um, you could call this David's praise to God and God's oracle to David. Uh, you could call these two God's wrath against Israel, etc. You could say that you've got a narrative, a list, a song, a song, a list, a narrative. There's a lot of things you could say that would be equivalent statements, but I think it's fairly obvious that you've got this ABCCBA pattern. I think it's one of the most obvious cases in the Bible of that. Once you see that, I think it makes a lot more sense of the four chapters. You kind of have a feel for where you are. You know, otherwise it just seems kind of random. But I think when you can see it like this, it actually does help a lot in trying to organize this. Technically, the word for this is a chiasm. And uh, it comes from the Greek letter key. And uh, the idea is, you know, you, you write this out, A, B, B, A, and you connect them together and they form the letter key. So, uh, so it's a chiasm, but it, it's just helpful to see that. It's helpful to kind of, you know, figure out your way around in 2 Samuel by seeing the organizational structure, the organizational pattern of these chapters. Do you have a question or comment about that? And lose everybody? Or maybe I did. All right. Uh, so let's look at chapter 21. Would somebody read verses 1 to 14? Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord, and the Lord said, It is for Saul and his bloody house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the sons of Israel made a covenant with them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, What should I do for you? And how can I make atonement for that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Then the Gibeonites said to him, we have no concern of silver or gold with Saul or his house, 
nor is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, I will do for you whatever you say. So they said to the king, the man who consumed us and who planned to exterminate us from the from remaining within the border of Israel, let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord which was between them, between David and Saul's son Jonathan. So the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ahiah and Armoni, and Mephibosheth, whom she had bore to Saul, and the five sons of Mirah, the daughter of Saul, whom she had bore to Adriel, the son of Barzillia, the Meholothite. Then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together. And they were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the field by night. When it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the open square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines struck down Saul in Gilboa. And he brought up the bones of Saul and of the bones of Jonathan his son there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son in the country of Benjamin in Zelah, in the grave of Kish his father. Thus they did all that the king commanded, and after that God was moved by entreaty for the land. Three-year famine. David finally asked God what's going on, and what is the reason for the famine? <coughs> what had Saul done? Broke the covenant with? The Gibeonites who had made that covenant? Joshua, how many years before? 300 plus. But Saul broke it by trying to ethnically cleanse the uh, Gibeonites, trying to wipe them out. He was supposed to do that with the Amalekites. He didn't. Should have done it with the Philistines, but that was difficult. But he tries to do it with the people they have a covenant with. And, uh, you know... That God finally is now punishing the Israelites for doing that. Um, and so God tells David, maybe David should have asked sooner what the cause for the famine, I don't know. But uh, God explains it to him, so he goes to the Gibeonites to find out what would be an appropriate punishment so that they could make uh, you know, atonement to some extent for, for the, the damages done and, and God would relent in terms of the famine. And so what do the Gibeonites want? <coughs> yes, kill. Exactly. And that's really generous of them. They could have wanted a lot more than that, it seemed to me. David spares Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, and he ends up killing two of uh, Rizpah's sons, which includes another Mephibosheth, and five sons uh, of, of 
of Merab, who would be then grandsons of Saul. So he kills two sons and, and five grandsons of Saul. And that satisfies the Gibeonites. Rizpah holds vigil and doesn't allow the, the birds or the beasts to mess with the uh, bodies till D David finds out and finally takes their bodies. And uh, they are buried together with Jonathan and Saul. Or the bones or whatever are buried together. And uh, God is willing to equip, uh, stop the famine. So, you know, here's a, a disaster, a famine that's caused by their breaking a covenant that had been made years before. And God is now punishing them. And when they execute these seven descendants of Saul, the punishment is ended. Make sense? Now, that's just a story. We don't know when that occurred. But that's something that happened during David's reign. Kind of a story tacked on here. Do you have a comment or question about this, Ethan? Um, since you said this was one in an deceit type thing, do you think it's reasonable to think maybe this is what Shimei was referring to when he called David? It's <laughs> not out of the question. Like when he was saying that he had killed the household. I think it is not out of the question. Yeah, it's possible this was before that. Logan. How do you reconcile this with the fact that uh, God said in the old law that the son would not suffer for the sins of the father? Well, uh, the son is not held guilty, but sometimes sons suffer for their parents' sins. You know, so uh, I would say that, that our sins do have an impact on our children. Not that they're held guilty before God, but they often are, are hurt by them. Patrick? Uh, you might consider what God says about himself when he reveals himself to Moses in Exodus visiting the sins of the father on to the third and fourth generation when those sins didn't just like disappear. Right. There were consequences to those. Yeah, that's they right. They weren't necessarily guilty but they feel that the fact that it. And sometimes they may have been in yeah. fact guilty. Yes. Eric. Again to what you were saying I mean, Deuteronomy 24.16 says that children shall not be put to death because of their fathers. And it seems like that's what's going on here. I don't. Is it something special here because there was a covenant made? Well, and because it's not David that determines the punishment. It's what the Gibeonites ask for. Yeah, that's okay. As well. Thoughts and comments? <coughs> Ethan? I'm just curious. Um, why did God wait to punish Israel for... Um, Saul attacking the Gibeonites till after Saul was gone. Maybe there was so much to punish for in Saul's <laughs> reign that he has to wait or he would have gotten lost in the shuffle. I don't really know, but sometimes that's the case. Sometimes the punishment's not immediate. Maybe this punishment wasn't long after, though. We don't really know. This could have been early on in David's reign. And perhaps the extermination of the Gibeonites late in Saul's reign. I, I don't know that. Could have been. And Jason. at least the theme of the, the first part of um, David's reign was the victories and the positive aspects of it. That may be why they, he, the narrator decided to maybe tag it on the end. Good point. <coughs> yes, I agree with that. That makes sense. David. Kind of going back to the, uh, the <coughs> question of why all of Israel suffered. I think we see that a lot. We saw that a lot throughout Joshua when uh, you know, Achan steals the things from, I think it's AI, and they, you know, several Israelites die in the next battle because of that. I find it actually more interesting that when David sins with Bathsheba, people are, a few people are killed because he sends them into battle, but 
overall, I don't think we see Israel like losing majorly. The whole nation as a whole doesn't have to pay for right. David's sins. Right. Which many many times we see that the whole nation pays for the sins of one man. Yes. Good point. Good point. They are all suffering because of Saul leading them to kill the Gibeonites. Other thoughts and comments? Dad? So only active communication thing, or only thing that God says to, to David is this is why it's happening, but he doesn't tell him how to fix it or... Apparently not. Apparently David goes to the Gibeonites to find out what needs to be done. I mean, the Gibeonites need to be satisfied. Samantha. Uh, I don't get it in verse 8. It says, um, in the, towards the end, and the five sons of uh, Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adrian, the son of uh, Brazila, the Naholathite. There is a textual question on that. A couple of the Hebrew manuscripts and some other witnesses have Merab instead of Michael. They were sisters. Michael died childless, so Merab is probably the better reader. Okay. Other questions? Comments? All right, we're going to call it a night here. And I think 